0: I think think Matt stole that from me. Whenever I sing a solo and I think people know that last part, I always have them sing it. Do you know why I do that? Because if you sing along with me, it fixes everything that went before. Okay, That's, that's exactly the reason why for that. Take your Bible with me. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, please. Now, uh, in the uh, and and by the way, you'll notice I have uh, I have twin sermon titles today. I had the trad wife, uh, short for traditional, short for traditional. If you weren't here in the in the uh, morning service, <coughs> I mentioned I'm not a big social uh, media guy and all this hashtag stuff. I'm not big on any of that. Uh, but there there is this movement <coughs> that someone brought to my attention. I think it started actually in Great Britain and has moved to America, and it's an online movement of ladies, not necessarily a Christian movement, though a number of Christian uh, ladies have have signed on to it. But it's a movement really to reinforce the idea that women should have the choice to, tr- uh, to make the choice to choose a traditional family structure, a traditional, what we would call a biblical family structure. Now, I think it caught my attention. I think someone sent it to me or something. <coughs> Pardon me. I think it caught my attention because uh, the the uh, feminists were just raging about this. They were furious about the idea that other women would want to choose a way that is different from theirs, and I'll tell you when you when you look at a movement like feminism, you understand that it is totalitarian. Okay, not biblical, but totalitarian. So uh, we want to really eschew that. And then all the oddities and things that stands. were well, originally, you know, uh, uh, the the woman suffrage, the the right for women to vote, and um, and um, you know, equal pay. equal work. we're all fine with that. Everybody who's got common sense is completely fine with that. Uh, but when you get into promoting trans- transgenderism and, and eco-veganism or whatever, I mean, that's just crazy talk, okay? That's crazy talk. And, and it seems like the further left people go, the crazier they get. And that's really problematic because at some point in time, someone has got to believe in common sense. Now, because this is America, because we're a free country, people should have the right to choose if they want <coughs> to have a traditional uh, marriage structure and family and home without being harassed for it. And the feminist movement has gone into harassment mode full-time. So, so uh, we talked this morning about this. There's not, by the way, a trad husband movement, but there is the, I just matched my sermon titles, but uh, there's, there's, there is the trad wife movement, and some of you should look at that. I told Kelly, I told Kelly this, I said... I said, Kelly, I've got this idea. And Kelly I always uh, cringes <laughs> when I say I have an idea. She, I said, I've got this idea. I said, you should, you should start a, a trad wife fellowship at Faith Baptist Church. And you could all dress up like June Cleaver and you could have tea and, and be social with one another. Doesn't that sound fun, ladies? Well, some. <laughs> doesn't sound fun to me at all. But okay, whatever. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. So. Uh, we're going to look tonight, I'm really going to look tonight quickly for the men at three passages of Scripture that I think summarize an idea about traditional being a traditional husband. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. Obviously in one sermon this morning and in one sermon tonight... I cannot deal with all of the nuance that is involved, okay? So a sermon is kind of a a snippet or a snapshot of some of the things that God expects from us out of his word, okay? That's very important. And we put that all together. This is not a marriage seminar where I might have four or five sessions. This is just a Sunday where we're talking about this relationship because it's a special Sunday. Having said that also, I, I feel like I need to say this, okay? Ephesians 5 really is familiar as pardon me, as the wedding passage, the wedding passage. You know, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, I, I need you to hear me. It only works, <clears throat> listen, it only works when both the man and the wife are Christians. Got to be Christians. Because the whole passage is based on their faith, okay? The man and wife are both Christians and the man and wife are equally committed to the biblical ideal, Okay, now, uh, let me say that again. It only works if both are Christians and both are equally committed to the biblical ideal. If one or the other gives lip service to the biblical idea, but is really not committed to it, then it's not going to work. In fact, it, it, it might create problems. I don't know. But I said, Pastor Monty, you know, well, my, I'm, I'm totally committed to doing the, the right thing, the Bible thing, but my husband isn't. Okay, now listen to this. Then you do the Bible thing vice versa. If the wife is totally, if the, if the husband's totally committed to the Bible thing and the, the woman is not, then gentlemen, you do the right thing, okay? You never have a right to disobey God in relationship to any of these areas just because someone else is not obeying. Our obedience to God in regard to what he's called us to do is a standard that is held to us by God regardless of of responses of other people. Does everyone understand that? So, but the way this works ideally is when both are equally committed. So you're committed to one another, you're committed to the biblical ideal, you're committed to Christ and salvation. Those three things are foundational. If that's not true in your marriage, then this is going to be very difficult. But however, tonight I'm addressing the men. I'm addressing the men. And I'm addressing a particular area for the men that every one of us needs to work on. So the traditional roles of a man, what are those traditional roles? Uh, they're easily summed up in three words. They are to, number one, be the provider, be a provider. Okay, I think that's very, very important. Now, I, I don't dig into people's personal finances. I don't do that. I'm, I'm not part into that. And so, Pastor Mani, who should, uh, in the home, who should run the money? Should the man run the money or should the woman run the money? Let me give you the answer to that. The one who's better at it, okay? The one who's better at it. There are many men who delegate that responsibility to the wife because she's far better at numbers than he is, okay? It only makes sense to do that, to do it that way. You, you divide, when you talk about traditional roles, you divide those roles, though, according to your skill sets, okay? For example, I'm not a cook. I wish I could. I wish I could cook stuff good. I'm, I'm not. I'm just not good at it. Uh, I've tried in the past. I've tried, and, and it makes such a horrendous mess in the kitchen that, you know, Pastor Monty would be so nice if you fixed your wife a dinner. Boy, no, it wouldn't. Okay, the whole place is flying apart. There's pans everywhere. There's stuff burning. I, we used to have this service. Have you ever heard of this thing called Hello Fresh? Anyone ever heard of that? All this food comes to you in a box, and it's supposed to be real simple. Kelly had some free coupons, so we were able to try the whole thing for free, and somehow she got tons of coupons. We had this thing going for weeks, and we weren't paying for it. it was, you'd have to ask her how she scammed them. I'm not sure exactly, but, but, uh, but uh, we, these boxes, this food would come to the house, and I was trying to, I was trying to make these hamburgers, and I'm telling you, she wasn't home. And all I'm doing is calling around the phone yelling, where is this, where is that? Stuff's burning, grease is burning, everything's... T- it was an absolute nightmare. I'm just not skilled with that kind of thing. Now, men who are, there's nothing unmanly, gentlemen, about cooking food if you like to do it, okay? understand this. We're not, we're not telling you, in my giving these messages, I'm not telling you how this works in its particulars, but I'm telling you uh, that every couple will work this out for themselves, okay? How it works best for them. So, but the traditional roles of the husband, would be to be the provider, also the protector, the protector, okay? Why is that so important? Because a man is to protect his wife. That's plain. If she's in physical danger, well, someone said, Pastor Marty, you know, I don't need any man to protect me. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're in bed at about two o'clock in the morning with your husband, and all of a sudden you hear glass breakage downstairs, and someone is clearly walking around in your home, and you turn to your husband and you say, hey, someone's breaking into the house. And if he turns to you and says, oh yeah, I heard that, honey, you go deal with it. <laughs> well, that, I mean, if, is that what you want? I, I don't think so, okay? My guess is that you don't want that. I don't think so. So he's a protector. He's also a presider. What does that mean? He's the leader in the home, okay? The Bible makes it clear. Now, now when you say this, he's not a dictator, Okay, he's not a tyrant by by any stretch of the imagination, but he does lead. And he leads through one key word that I'm going to examine tonight. He leads through love. He leads through love. Okay, his leadership. So pastor of I love a sermon like this. Now you have placed upon my head the crown of leadership, and I'm going to take the bull by the horns. And I'm going to explain to my wife that the Bible says I'm the leader. You're a fool. That's foolishness, okay? When you love properly, leadership falls right into place without a problem. When you love properly, okay? All of the things we're talking about are not a competition between male and female, husband and wife, man and woman. They're they're not a competition. All of these things are complementary. And our goal in all of this is not one-upmanship in marriage, Our goal is unity and harmony within the home. So it will look different in different marriages. You need to understand that. No two marriages are alike. It's going to look different in different marriages. (coughs) Okay, now, having said that, though, about a husband's responsibility, having said that, I want to make this statement. No woman, gentlemen, and this is very important for you to understand, no woman should be subjected to fear or force. Say it again. No, that's not biblical. That's not right, okay? That's being a tyrant and a dictator. By the way, I do not believe that any woman should ever remain in a situation where she is in physical harm's way, period. And if you have given her the impression, either through your actions or your threats, that you are a physical danger to your wife, to another woman, she should not stay in your presence. Did everybody hear what I just said? I hope you heard what i just said i would never in a million years recommend a woman to stay in a situation like that there would need to be counseling and help and all these things Uh, but no woman should be subjected to fear or force but gentlemen your love is the key to the relationship that is the key fear and force are never a key in a good relationship okay never but love always is so what is the bible standard then For love. How am I supposed to love? I think husbands must seek to love and live up to the biblical standards of love. So what are some of the biblical standards? Ephesians five will be our first text quickly. Look, if you will, Ephesians five twenty five. The Bible says, Husbands love your wives. Now this is not an option, it is a command. Husbands love your wives, and here is the standard, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. What is that passage teaching number one it's teaching that a man must love sacrificially marriage is not all about the man marriage is not all about the woman marriage is about the couple because the bible says for this cause and it's in this passage for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh the one flesh union the unity of marriage means that I'm no longer out for myself, and and she's not out for herself, we are out for the oneness of our relationship. That means there must be sacrifice. Now, it is interesting because the Bible defines the sacrifice as the sacrifice of Christ in his death for the church. The Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ, okay? (laughs) That's a very strong term, the bride of Christ. And what was Christ willing to do to win his bride? I'm using this metaphor from scripture. What was Christ willing to do to win his bride? Christ was willing to go to the cross. The ultimate of sacrifice, the ultimate demonstration of love, the ultimate saying, God himself, mind you, saying, I'm putting my interests last and yours first. That's a miracle of God's grace. The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us. Commendeth, he showed or demonstrated. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And a husband is to love the way Jesus loved. Jesus loves his church by persuasion of that love. The Bible says, we love him, why? because he first loved us. Jesus initiated that love, and it was a self-sacrificing love. So that is one of the standards of a man's love for his wife. My motive, then, is always to do what is best for us as a couple. That's my motive. You're Pastor Monty, you're you're large and in charge. No. My motive is to do what is best for us as a couple. In, In other words... And gentlemen, listen to me. <clears throat> Wise you would be to ask your wife's opinion. Pastor Monty, I don't need to know what she is to say. I'm just going to do what I want. And possibly drive that car right off a cliff. Do you know what I found out after 30 plus years of marriage? I found this out. Kelly has some good ideas. And she sees some things that I do not see. And as a woman, she has an intuition that I do not have. And if I'm not tapping into that, then I am running blindly. And what, Pastor, if, if I talk to her, she's just going to make me do this, 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 and this. No, no, no. You're going to come together as a couple, okay? One of the problems is when people want, well, Pastor, this is what I want. And she says, this is what I want. What about, I know that was a horrible, I'm not very good at trans stuff. <laughs> horrible at it. Okay it's not his or hers, it's them together as a couple. And one of the problems in marriages is when it becomes separate. He's to love sacrificially. Now look at this, because this is really interesting. You've never heard this in a wedding before. He is to love spiritually. That sounds weird, Pastor. Look at it. Verse number 26. Christ, the Bible says, loved the church and gave himself for it in verse 25 with a purpose. The word that means there's a reason for this. With a purpose that he might sanctify and cleanse it, that is the church, by the washing of the water by the word. Now wait a minute. Jesus Jesus loves sacrificially so that he can wash and cleanse the church, notice what it says, by the word, and then there's another purpose clause, verse 27, that he might present it to the church, to himself, a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, gentlemen, listen carefully. I love sacrificially. I also love spiritually. When I love spiritually, my goal as the husband is to lead spiritually so that my wife is conformed to the image of Christ. Did you hear what I just said? Not conform to my will, okay, that not that. But conform to the image of Christ. In other words, to be more like Christ. And Jesus did this in his sacrifice on the cross, but then he also talks about in verse 26 the washing of water by the word. What is that? Gentlemen, listen carefully. You're to be the spiritual leader in your home. Period. You are to be the spiritual leader in your home. It's not your wife waking you up ten minutes before church starts, honey, you gotta go to church and dragging you out there with a wrinkled shirt. It's not that, okay? It's a man who's willing to take the lead, and the whole idea is that Christ takes the lead in our salvation to present us as a bride without spot and without wrinkle. <clears throat> Can I tell you something somebody going to freak out about? So there's a pastor, famous pastor. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. I'm not going to name his name. Because it'll just give you something to think about. Good man, good man, sterling, sterling man, character. Served the Lord for many decades. His wife got cancer when they were much older. His wife got cancer. And the doctors said that this cancer was going to be terminal. And <clears throat> so he was worried because he was going to lose his wife. And he decided that she wasn't quite ready to meet the Lord. Now, some of you didn't like the sounds of that. Just get over it, okay? This was a spiritual man who loved the Lord. He thought, you know, she's not quite ready to meet the Lord. And he took this passage, which is exactly what it means, that he is responsible to lead her spiritually. And so he said, and he told this whole church this after the fact. He said, Lord, he said, I don't know if she's ready yet. He said, Lord, can I have two more years? The Lord gave him precisely two more years. And he was very serious, wanting to help her to make sure she was ready to meet the Lord. Gentlemen, look at me. There's the Pastor money. that just sounds weird you know what? It sounds real loving to me. It sounds like a man who's really spiritually in tune and who loves his wife not just for what she can do for him in this world, but for the fact that she's going to meet the Lord. By the way, it speaks to me of a man who has a little foresight about the future and concern for when they part from this life. I think that's really important, gentlemen. A little bit ago, I mentioned just in the introduction that we should be providers, okay? We should provide for our, for our wives. Pastor Monty, I do. I have a good job. Let me ask you this. Just just a practical application. It's not in the Bible. Do you have life insurance? If you can afford it, you should. And if you can afford cable TV, you can afford life insurance. I just really think It's important. I say that practically because when my dad passed away of colon cancer, he left my mother a grand total of, this was in 1979, he left my mother a grand total of $25,000. All of that money was eaten up in hospital bills. And it was really hard. I think the best thing a man can do, one of the best things he can do is to make sure he protects her for afterwards. That's what being a man does. But you love her spiritually. In other words, I'm responsible for the, dispir- the spiritual development of my home. But then I'm gonna give you one that you guys are gonna like. The next couple of verses. Love her selfishly. Selfish, not selfless, selfish. Love your wife selfishly. Aha, Pastor Monty, here it is. Now I'm, Now you're talking. Look at verse 28. The Bible says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now, that's weird. That's weird. I'll explain it in a moment. For no man, Paul explains, ever yet hated his own flesh. We don't dislike our own flesh. It's so funny how men are, you know. I don't know how you are, but I stand in front of the mirror. I look at myself. Pretty good. Nothing wrong with that. Ladies get kind of self-critical. Men don't tend to be that way cuz we're we're blind half the time. <laughs> Paul says this, a man is naturally going to love himself. Gentlemen, we are selfish creatures. We're selfish. We're plain old selfish. We're going to naturally love ourselves, and Paul is saying this, you ought to love your wife every bit as much as you love yourself. And then he says this, if you learn to love your wife to the same level that you love yourself, and this is often where a problem arises in marriage, if you learn to love your wife to the same level that you love yourself, he said you're actually loving yourself. Why? Because the two are one. In this passage, the oneness in marriage is so strongly emphasized that Paul is saying that the two individuals have blended their lives together so much so that when I am loving Kelly, I am actually loving me. That is how much the oneness of marriage is blended together. It's not, well, you know, he got to spend, I don't know how much, $500 on a new golf club, so I get to do this. It's not tit for tat. It's we love one another, and by loving her, I'm loving myself. It's really important we see this. It is not, well, Pastor, someone said this to me this week in a far distant state, far away, and you don't know these people. This man said this to me this week. He's Pastor, he said, Monty, he's a friend. He said, Monty, he said, I, I think I just love my wife way more than she loves me. What kind of a weird comparison is that, folks? Okay, we're not making comparison. You love, gentlemen, you're commanded in Scripture to love your wife to the same degree that you love yourself. And if you're even a modicum of introspective, you understand that that is a very tall order, because you understand that men, yourself, that we as men are selfish. Two people, verse number 28 says, two people become one. So the more that I love my wife, the better actually it is for me. Well, Pastor Bonnie, if I I love her that way, I'm just going to give in to her and give her everything she wants. No, 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 listen, look, look this way. Look this way. No, No, you're not doing that, because sometimes things are not good that are wanted. But what you are doing is working together to come to some sense of consensus about things. Being a leader does not mean you're a dictator that calls all the shots and then just informs your wife about what is happening. On important things, you come to a consensus. And by the way, every marriage is different about this okay well pastor i need to know exactly what are the things that you think i should talk to my wife about and what are the things that i can decide unilaterally when you ask me stuff like that you're on the wrong page altogether because you're asking me for a list i want to know what i can do unilaterally so that when she disagrees with it i can say pastor monty said it's okay (laughs) no i don't want to be involved in that you have to figure that out on your own, okay? Some, some husbands and wives are, are, are a little bit more independent about decision-making, okay? I make some decisions that, that I don't necessarily run by Kelly, and she's fine with them. I know she is, but you know what? If there was something she wasn't fine about, okay, you know what I would do? I talked to her about... I bought a house one time without asking her about it, okay? I you said oh, but because she loved the house. I just, I was busy, and I just went and signed papers, okay? I, I and signed her name to it. It was amazing, and, and <laughs> I've said too much. But, <laughs> but, but you, maybe you don't do that, but you figure out what works for you. Does everyone follow what I'm saying here? And we're going to get to that. It's really, really important. Everyone, every successful married couple has figured out an equilibrium that works for them. And you, you know how you know it's working? When there's no tension. That's how you know that this is working. So to love selfishly means that I love her as I love myself. Now, that's Ephesians. Next, quickly, next is Colossians. Colossians. Okay, just a few pages over in your Bible. Chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse number 19. Colossians three nineteen. Colossians, by the way, in in many ways parallels the book of Ephesians. There are a lot of parallel thoughts, even parallel phraseology in the Greek language. But Colossians chapter 3, look what your Bible says there. In verse number 19, directed to the husbands. Okay, we've talked about love sacrificially, love spiritually, love selfishly. Colossians 3.19, look what it says. Husbands, love your wives. We saw that over there in Ephesians, right? Husbands, love your wives. Now look at the last part of the verse and be not bitter against them. Love sincerely. Gentlemen, this is a command that I am not just to put on a display of love, but I am to love out of a sincere heart, men listen, that is willing to deal with small issues before they become big. This is a problem that men have. Men don't like to communicate sometimes about interpersonal things. And so here's what i I see some of you ladies are smiling and nodding at me. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm hitting it. Men don't like to communicate about interpersonal things. Here's what they do. They just pretend everything is okay. Well, you know, and I've had this said to me a hundred times, something like this. Pastor Mon, you know, boy, if I bring that up to her, I'll tell you, I'll just never hear the end of it. I'd rather not bring that up to her. Okay, then what you're doing is you're allowing an issue to fester, gentlemen, in your heart. Well, you know, I'll just live with it. And you're going to pack it down and pack it down and pack it down until you blow up. And that is a problem. Jordan Peterson, I love uh, Jordan B. Peterson. I love his philosophies. His books are very, very good. I'd recommend every person in this room to read 12 Rules for Life by Jordan B. Peterson. Every recommended reading Jordan Peterson talks about this. He says, you've got to deal with issues when they are small. Because when they are small, you can deal with issues in a level-headed way. I want you to understand something, men. If your mode of dealing with an issue, a relationship issue with your wife, if your mode is to pack it down until you can't take it anymore, and then blow up in a rage that is not only not effective to fixing the problem, but it is fundamentally destructive to the relationship. And so Paul warns, I'm to love my wife, and I'm not to allow bitterness. The idea of that word is resentment. I'm not to allow resentment to build up in my heart toward her. It means I must be emotionally connected and present to her. It means I must keep my heart in my marriage, listen carefully, and that marriage is never an endurance test. And you go, Pastor Monty, what are you talking about? I, when I preach, I'm preaching the Bible. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of circumstances and situations. One, one man in particular, who said to me very recently, not a member of our church, lives in a state far, far away, and you don't know these people. Because <laughs> you're always trying to guess who I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> who knows, maybe I'm just making this all up. No, I'm not, I'm not. <clears throat> I can put names and faces to all of this. He said to me this. He said, I'm done. He said, "I'm just. I'm just going to not I'm going to ignore my feelings and I'm just going to give in on every single thing and I'm never going to talk about anything about our relationship again. How many know that that will destroy marriage? You know that's going to destroy marriage, okay? At least it's going to create a distance in that marriage that is going to be very, very destructive. So we're to love our wives sincerely. And then a real important passage, and I've got time for this, 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. Remember we're talking about the way God describes love, okay? A man's love is to live up to a very high, very tall order. By the way, gentlemen, you say, man, Pastor Monty, I I don't live up to all this. Look at me. Neither do I. But I still need to try, okay? Uh, This is God's standard. So every time I preach a message like this, I'm preaching directly at myself. You know, the most childish thing a man can do, so childish, so childish, I'm just mad at the preacher for even saying that stuff, especially since he said it in front of my wife. (laughs) Very childish. Very childish. You know what? As a man, I need to be challenged. And you know what? The Bible challenges me. Someone said, oh, Pastor Monty, I just love to read the Bible every morning. It's such a blessing. What Bible are you reading? (laughs) It beats me up. Every time I open it up, I see how rotten a person I am, what a failure I am, I mean, and I need this. I need the challenge. I need the change. I need the growth. I need the difference. And by the way, I need to be real because I am not yet the person I need to be. I am not yet the man I need to be. I am not yet the husband I need to be. I am not yet the pastor I need to be. I am not yet the Christian I need to be. And as I'm journeying through this life, I need to be challenged to step it up and do better. And that is a good thing. So don't take this, this is hard. Yes, it's hard, but we need to do hard things. Look at 1 Peter 3. Verse number seven, 1 Peter 3 7. I've said we're to love sacrificially, love spiritually, love selfishly, love sincerely. And then 1 Peter 3 7. Look what the Bible says. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, your wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. There is a lot in this verse. In summary, this verse teaches that I am to love sensitively. I am to love sensitively. What, what does that mean? Look what the Bible says. It says, to dwell with them according to knowledge. In other words, I know some things about my wife. And knowing those things about my wife makes my dwelling with her, it influences how I dwell with her, because I am sensitive about the things that I know. Now notice what it says. Dwell with them according to knowledge. How do I fulfill this loving sensitively? How do I fulfill that? First of all, you have to stay close. You have to be present where your feet are. There are far too many marriages where people live in the same home, but that's about it. They're never close to one another. They're always on a cell phone or distracted by something. And I'm not against all that, understand. But it's overboard. It's way overboard. And I can't even tell you how many married... Pastor Monty, he's always on his cell phone. Pastor Monty, she's always on her cell phone. I I, I hear that dozens and dozens of times. There's a dwelling. And when I dwell with someone, I live with them and I get to know them. And you know what I find out about them? I find out their sensitivities. Back when uh, I was dating Kelly and and heading toward marriage, I had a a deacon chairman in my first church, Concord, North Carolina. His name was Gilf Carpenter, Man, a man that I absolutely loved, an elderly gentleman, and uh, he never came to preach at me as the preacher, but he knew this wet, behind-the-ears kid preacher needed a little guidance and help. Every Monday morning, he came to the parsonage where I lived by myself. I was single at the time where I lived by myself. Every Monday morning, he came to the church parsonage to pick up the trash and haul it to the dump. That was not why he was there. Now, he always picked up the trash to haul it to the dump, but he was there to talk to the kid preacher. And by the way, I blessed the ground that man walked on. And he gave me some really good advice. Before I got married, he said this, in his southern drawl: he said, preacher, I just want to tell you something about marriage. So what's that? He said, Preacher. Love is blind. Marriage is the eye-opener. <laughs> well, that sounded like kind of a warning. But then he said this. He said, if you want to be the king of your castle, you have to make her the queen. I thought that was incredibly good advice. And he said this. He'd been married twice. His first wife had passed away, and he married a, a second lady, godly good lady in, in the church there. He said this, he said, the longer you live with her, the more you will learn about her, but you will never know everything. How many men say that's true? <laughs> Absolutely. By the way, do you know, it's that mystery that keeps us interested in one another. God designed it that way. It's that mystery that keeps us interested in one another. And so, uh, so in, loving, in loving sensitively, I'm dwelling with her, I'm learning her so that I know her and we can live in harmony together. Like, for example, whiskers in the sink. When I decided to grow a beard, it also needs to be trimmed on a regular basis so that I don't look like Bigfoot. So I trim it every day, just a little bit. And whiskers go in the sink. This is years ago. This is years ago. One day we were out to eat with another couple... And Kelly just decided to bring it up <laughs> right then and there, and she said, "You know," she said, "I I just hate how you always leave whiskers in the sink." She said, "I hate that." She said, "I hate that." I had no idea she hated that. In my world, eventually water's going to hit the sink, and it's all going to go down eventually. Okay, that's the world I live in. How many men live in that world? I live in this world that says if, it, if the dish was clean enough to stop eating off of, it's clean enough to start eating off of again, okay? That's, that's kind of the world that I live in, okay? And um, it's called being a slob, okay? And we all, men are all slobs. So, so uh, and she said that to me. Do you know what? Now, I'm not perfect about this, but that really stuck in my brain. And I thought, if that bothers her, what a simple thing it is for me to swish out the sink, How easy that... I'm not perfect. You say, Pastor Bonnie, do that every morning. I'm going to come check her out. No, I don't do it every morning. I try, maybe, sort of. But I'm way better... You men know what I'm talking about. I'm way better at this than I used to be. Okay? And Why? I'm dwelling with her according to knowledge. Because while whiskers in the sink don't bother me, it's, a, it's actually a sign of a, of a very manly man who has been there. It speaks volumes, okay? Well, it doesn't bother me one iota. If it bothers her, I'm to dwell with her according to knowledge and to know what bothers her and to not purposely irritate, okay? And loving, sensitively, knowing according to knowledge means this, man. I listen to her. I listen to her. Well, Pastor Monty, she's talking all the time, but are, are you listening? So I've developed over the years an incredible talent of being able to appear to listen when I'm not. Okay, My mind, how many men would say sometimes my mind is another place? My mind is, okay, I'm always thinking about the things of heaven. <laughs> the Bible and Christian theology. My, my whole, I'm always, no, I'm not, okay? But I've had to learn to really focus. By the way, Kelly has figured out when I'm listening but not listening. And she'll even say, you're not listening. Any man ever ever get that? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. okay, good, good. We're all in the same boat. I love this, okay? And the only way I'm going to know her is to listen attentively to the things that she says women tend to be verbal, I verbally process, a lot of men do too, but women tend to be more verbal processors. Sometimes it's really important to listen in order to understand. The Bible also in that verse says this, likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. Pause there for a moment. I need to respect her. Now I want you to listen to me. You're no kind of Christian husband if you're disrespectful to your wife. If you have a habit of treating your wife with disrespect, don't tell me you're a Christian husband. By the way, don't even consider yourself a gentleman. Because Someone asked me this yesterday. Someone said, Pastor Monty, do you think that, uh, that people that aren't religious, people that are not Christian, do you think they can be good people? Not in the Bible definition of good. You all understand theology, okay? But yeah, they can be good people in the world's standard of good. In fact, I've known some unsaved people who were better husbands than some professing Christians I've known. Okay? I've known some unsaved wives who were better wives than some professing Christians that I've known. It, 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 the matter I'm talking about here is this. If you can't communicate respectfully to your wife and honor her, and there's a certain reason you're going to honor her, I'll explain that in a minute. If you're not going to do that, then we've lost all sense of civility. Okay? If basic human civility, gentlemen, is something that you're struggling with, you need to man up and fix it. If you're struggling with basic human civility, you need to man up and fix it. You need to respect her. The Bible says that we're to honor her, why? As the weaker vessel. Now that's in the scripture, okay? She's physically weaker, we understand that. Because she's physically weaker, that's a biological fact. Quit freaking out, woke. (laughs) I know there's no one here that's woke. Because she's physically weaker, Okay, my respect for her comes out of a desire to protect her. Listen to what I'm about to say, and you hear me, and never intimidate, never intimidate. When you use your size or strength to intimidate a woman, I don't care how big you are, you are a very small man. And scripture forbids that among Christian men. Scripture is very crystal clear on that. We're to honor our wife, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. That means also that I'm to accept her. I love her and protect her because of who she is. I did not, when I was choosing a wife, want to marry Hulk Hogan. I was simply not interested. Now, I understand times have changed, okay, but but uh, the Bible hasn't changed. I wasn't interested in marrying Hulk Hogan. What I wanted to marry was someone I could love, support, and protect, and accept for who she is. Because, gentlemen, our wives want that level acceptance, and they want the security of knowing that we accept them for who they are, and we help them to grow as an individual. We want want to do this. I want to view her as a partner. Look at what it says in verse number seven again. As being heirs together of the grace of life. She is my partner in faith. She is my partner in the home. She is my helpmeet. We are heirs together. It is not a matter of me overlording authority. It is a matter of me, and by the way, take the lead, gentlemen. It's really lame when you don't. But it's not a matter of me overlording authority. It is a matter of me viewing her as a partner and an heir together of the grace of life. And then he says something interesting at the end, that your prayers be not hindered. If my relationship is not right with my wife, my spiritual life is not right. It's just not right. It's just not right. Pastor Ronnie, you, 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 you must get along like, like angels, you and Kelly. No, that's not. No, we, we get along good. Not like angels. I had an old man up in his 80s say to me one time, he said, Pastor, he said, I want to tell you. His wife was quietly standing next to him. He said, Pastor, I want to tell you. I've been married to my wife for 68 years, something like that. been married here for 68 years. Do you know that we have never one time... Had a disagreement. What a liar! Either that, or somebody's comatose. <laughs> I—that's—that's. I, that's, people are sinners. Okay, we have struggles. We have disagreements, but the right thing to understand is this: If my relationship is not right with my wife, I can't claim any level of spirituality. Did you hear what I just said, men? I'm, I'm, I'm more spiritual than Jesus. Jesus blah, blah, blah. We're just not right with each other, but I love God and she doesn't love God. <laughs> if you're bickering like that, you're not right with God. Your prayers will be hindered. Why would someone's prayers be hindered based on another person? Shannon Handy, my prayers are not hindered based upon you. Do you know why? What? I'm not That's exactly right. He said, I'm not married to you. That's exactly right. We're not one, okay? I am married to my wife. And because, again, the oneness emphasis in Scripture says that if I'm not right with her, I'm not right, and my spiritual life is hindered. Now, gentlemen, I'll finish with these words. The things I gave you tonight are a very tall order. I don't want to overwhelm you, but I want to suggest to you, I've given you five things of how to love. Love sacrificially, love spiritually, love selfishly love sincerely and love sensitively here's what i'm going to challenge you to do work on one this week just pick one and work on it this week you know what you could do if you're brave if you're not a coward you know what you could do you could ask your wife honey which one do you want me to work on this week which one now, when I'm not trying to get a fight started right after church, okay? And don't, don't call me for counseling. Morris is on vacation. Keep it to yourself, okay? But I'm suggesting that it would be a good thing to say, hey, honey, which one do you want me to work on? And then sincerely try. And if she'll, if she'll help you with that, maybe once in a while, gentlemen, to point out something, you should take that as someone who's trying to help you to be the better man. Because the, the ultimate goal is this. We're never going to reach perfection, but if you're stuck doing all the wrong things because you have the wrong impression about traditional husband roles and biblical masculinity, if you're, if you're stuck in the wrong thing, then we need to get in the right thing, and we need to figure out the way to make it what God would have it to be. Father, I pray you take the Bible study tonight. Help us, Lord, to understand that the things we've said are not just opinions. They're the Word of God, clearly in the Word. And Lord, we look at our Bibles, we as men do, and we understand our weakness and failings and, and, and sometimes the errors that we make. Father, we humbly confess those before you because we want to do better to be more like the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus who sacrificed for his church, the Lord Jesus who leads his church on to perfection, the Lord Jesus who is tender and kind. Father, give us that heart. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will apply the message in different ways in each man's life tonight. Throughout the ensuing days, Father, just make us better men for the cause and sake of the glory of the kingdom of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.